Good morning. Hey, in first service, we had a baptism, and I always think it's a shame that second service doesn't get to see it. So my friend Augusto edited it together real quick. Take a look at this. There Gee, it is. Why don't you tell them your story a little bit, how you got from, you know, where you were to where you are now believing and, and ready to take this commitment, because I know you, you took this seriously and you really thought about it along the way. Yeah, I probably put too much weight on it, to be honest. I, uh, I really thought that it was the culmination of a faith journey and that I needed to have just complete undying faith. And, and I see it in my kids. They just, they just believe with no doubt whatsoever. And, and I watched my son get baptized at Easter, and yeah. it was so inspirational. And, and I kindly came to realize, you know, over the last several weeks that, that I do believe uh, uh, Jesus has been with me in every step of my life. Uh, when I got married to my lovely wife, it needed to be in a church. Uh, when my two sons were born, we, we needed to take them to church. We needed to make sure that they had a relationship with God. And in all these big moments in my life, I had to make sure that I was doing it in the presence of God, in the presence of Jesus. And, and I'm still doubtful. I, I'm still fearful. I'm, I'm still all those things that I was uh, just, just yesterday, yeah. uh, just this morning, to be honest. Uh, but... But I'm ready, and and it is it is what it is. Just like when I said I do to my wife, I'm I'm ready to take the journey and let's see where it goes. And, and yeah, amen. Yeah. So today's already been a success in my book. All everything else is just gravy at this point. So, hey, this morning, kids, you are not dismissed. Kids, you are stuck with us today. You are in with us this morning. Um, and we do this every fifth Sunday. We have uh, bilingual worship, which I love. And we have uh, the kids that stay in with us. And so that means a couple of things. Number one, Steve's going to preach short. Steve's going to preach short. There we go. And hopefully we're going to have a little fun with the kids in just a little while. So uh, we just love kids around here. We love families worshiping together, learning together. Families that worship together and learn together grow together. And they, their faith walk becomes this journey of, of their family. And so we love that. So this morning we are finishing the book of Acts. Uh, if you've got your Bible, open up to the book of Acts. Uh, we are in Acts 28. And uh, we're going to do that for you there. Let's see here. Hold on a second. There we go. Um, and uh, if you remember last week, Pastor Stephen finished up the book of Acts, and uh, or actually last week he gave this really great, um, he gave this really great sermon on like a shipwreck. There was a storm, this massive shipwreck, and, uh, and at, the, at the end there was a snake attack, which would have all made for a really great kid's sermon. Can I just tell you? Instead, I got what I got. I'm working with it here this morning, all right, people? So stick with me here. Um, so we're going to jump into it this morning. Paul finally arrives in Rome, and he shows up at this city where he's always shown up, and he tells his story, he tells God's story to a new city in need of hearing with it. Open your Bibles. We're in Acts chapter 28, starting in verse 11. Let me read it for you here. You can read along with me. It was three months after the shipwreck that we set sail on another ship, that had wintered at the island, an Alexandrian ship with the twin gods as its figurehead. You remember they're shipwrecked on this island. And he said, our first step was Syracuse, where we stayed for three days. From there, we sailed across to Rhegium. A day later, a south wind began blowing. So the following day, we sailed up the coast to a place called Petulia. 
There we found some believers who invited us to spend a week with them. And so we came to where? Where? Rome. That's what I'm talking about. The brothers and sisters in Rome had heard we were coming and they came to meet us at the forum on the Appian Way. Okay, so we see they're at this forum on the Appian Way. And uh, it says others joined us at the three taverns. When Paul saw them, he was encouraged and thanked God. Um, when we arrived in Rome, Paul was, was permitted to have his own private lodging, though he was guarded by a soldier. Anybody hear that? Somebody, you going to, oh, is that, is that you? Are you going to answer that? Here, let me, let me get that for you. Hello? No, Jen's busy right now. No, she's in church. She's, why aren't you in church? You should be in church. Get your tail to church. What? Okay. No, she can't talk to you. She's busy. What? Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. Okay. All right. I'll give her. I'll, all right. I'll give you. I'll give you to her. Here you go. Here. Something about your car's extended warranty. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that, that's what it is. How many people remember life before cell phones? Anybody old timers that this thing you wasn't chained to all the time? You remember that when you used to be able to go to lunch and eat food that was hot? Remember when you used to be able to get to places without, uh, you, how many people remember you had to know how to get to places? I, I was an idiot last night. I'm coming back from the airport and I automatically just put home in on my thing. Like I don't know how to get home from the airport. I know how to get home. Uh, but, but the truth of the matter is, is we've got these devices, right, that we're sort of chained to all the time. Um, and you remember the old Verizon ad? You remember the old Verizon ad? This is way back. Can you hear me now? Good. Can you hear me now? How do you build America's Good. largest wireless network? Can you hear me now? Good. By never being satisfied. Can you hear me now? Good. Until no matter where you go. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Your call goes through. Can you hear me now? Good. Verizon Wireless. The reason that that commercial was so good is every one of us who has a cell phone has said that at some point, haven't we? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? How many people have done this? Or you're trying to get a signal. You can't even talk when your phone's up there like that. You can't do it. And we're always trying to get a signal so that we can make the connection we need to know, right? And we're like, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? And here's the reason I bring that up is because we've all had those times where you're getting every other word of a cell phone conversation, you know what I mean? And you have no idea what they're saying and you're like, at some point you're like, I give up. But there have been some times where we are on the phone and we are desperate to say what needs to be said right now. Like, I gotta get you to understand this even if it's hard to understand, right? Where our reception was bad. I used to live in this little town called the town of Cortland. It was on the Sacramento River. If you go on the river road to this little town of Cortland, the cell phone coverage there was terrible. We had to switch providers to try and get coverage. And even then, when you got to our house, the phone might ring at our house, but if it did, you weren't having a conversation. So you had to go up the hill onto the levee in order to get enough cell phone coverage that you could actually have a conversation. But when you're desperate to be heard, you can understand how that works, right? I mean, the phone, the network, all of it is useless if you don't have any reception. It's useless if I can't hear you and you can't hear me. 
But there are times where we are desperate to be heard and we need to communicate it and we will say it over and over again even if you're only getting every other word. That is the story of the last half of the book of Acts. The last half of the book of Acts is Paul shows up in these towns and he's telling the same story again and again and again. And he's basically saying, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? So as we wrap up this last part of the book of Acts, I have a few thoughts on this last passage that I would love to share with you. If you've got your notes, follow along with me. Here's the first one. It's be available. Be available. It says, as we go into verse 17 here, Three days after Paul's arrival, where is Paul? Rome, very good. He called together the local Jewish leaders in Rome. He said to them, brothers, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Roman government, even though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors. The Romans tried me and wanted to release me because they found no cause for the death sentence. But when the Jewish leaders protested the decision, I felt it necessary to appeal to who? Caesar. That's how he got to Rome, because he appealed to Caesar. Even though I had no desire to press charges against my own people. I asked you to come here today so that we could what? So that we could get acquainted. And so I could what else? Explain to you that I am bound with this chain. He's literally in chains because I believe that the hope of Israel, who? The Messiah has already come. So underline in your outline, circle, highlight in your Bible app, whatever you've got. I asked you to come here today so we could get acquainted. Paul is basically striking up a conversation with a whole new group of people in Rome. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever just not pick up your phone? You know what I mean? I mean, I'm not talking about the people who call you and you look on the screen and you're like, oh, I don't think so. I'm talking about there's times where you put your phone down and you say, I'm not picking up for anyone. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? Um, When you do that. There's times that I do it literally right now is one of those times. My phone is on do not disturb. You actually can't get through to my phone. Go ahead. If you've got my number, try and call me. Uh, You can call me right now. It's not going to go through because I'm on do not disturb, right? And so during church, I'm not available to anyone else. And other times I just won't answer my phone. The conversation is so important that I won't answer it. Now, no matter how great your cellular network is, no matter how great your phone is, right, if you're unavailable, it won't matter. People are buying these new titanium smartphones with six cameras and and 11 sensors, and it don't matter a hill of beans if you don't have reception, if you don't have coverage, because this just becomes a paperweight at that moment, right? So you have to make yourself available. All the call centers and routing stations and fiber optic cables and satellites don't matter if you don't make yourself available. And so the question I'm asking today and that Paul is, you know, kind of exemplifying is this idea of are you available? Are you available to be used by God in the lives of others? Are you available? Are you willing to walk into new circumstances with new people and get acquainted with them and find out their life story and talk with them and see if there's ways that you can meet needs or walk alongside them? Because God will put you in positions that nobody else will have an opportunity to be in. He'll put you in places where you could be available or, like a lot of us, you might scroll. You ever go to the airport now? If you've ever been to the airport before, you would be sitting in benches and you would have nothing better to do than to strike up a conversation with it. Now everyone at the airport is doing this. The question is, is are you available? Are you available to be used by God in those uh, places? 
Um, and so here's the thing I want to tell you. If you will make yourself available, God will use you in uncommon ways. If you will make yourself available, God will use you in uncommon ways. I want to give you a story that I, I read this week. It's about a gal by the name of Murdy Howell. This is Murdy Howell. Murdy was a devoted Christian woman, um, but she lived a very hard life a long time ago. She, her family was super poor. Um, when she was 10 years old, she quit school to go to work for the family. Where's my 10-year-olds? Any 10-year-olds here? 10-year-olds, get to work. 10-year-old, get to work, man. She went to work in the steel mill making 10 cents an hour. 10 cents an hour. That's what Murdy did. Um, She got married at age 17, but in 1940, uh, her husband was killed in an accident. And so in 1940, she had to take over and go back to work and raise her three kids uh, while she was working. Uh, She ended up losing her home, and, uh, and then later in life, her health began to decline, and as her health was declining, she ended up being put into an old, dilapidated, run-down, high-rise nursing home. And that's where she lived. A few weeks later, as soon as she moved in, her youngest son died suddenly. And she fell into a depression, as you can imagine. And this is what she said. She said, Lord, what more can I do for you? I've lost everything that ever meant anything to me. And now I'm stuck in this dark, dreary room. I have nothing left to live for. I want to die. I've had enough of this prison. Take me home. You can understand why she would say that, right? But then God spoke to her, she says, in the clearest way that she could have ever heard. And he said to her, I'm not through with you yet, Murdy. Write to prisoners. And this little old lady, this grandma, um, wrote a letter. And she sent it to the Atlanta Penitentiary And this is what the letter said. Dear inmate, I'm a grandmother who loves and cares for you. I am willing to be a friend, and if you'd like to hear from me, write me. I will answer every letter you write. A Christian friend, Grandmother Howell. And the letter was given to a prison chaplain who then gave it to eight different inmates. And uh, over the years, the prison fellowship ministry got a hold of Murdy. And, uh, and gave her almost, she was at, at the height of it, she was responding to 40 different letters a day. 40 letters a day she's writing back and forth to these inmates, one person to one person, over and over again. She became this one woman ministry to this prison uh, in Atlanta. And she said this, I thought my life was over, but these past few years have been the most fulfilling years of my life. I thank prison fellowship, and most of all, I thank Jesus. Murdy just was, she became this great missionary for God out of a one-room, dilapidated nursing home apartment. And God used her. And and what I want to tell you is, no matter where you're at today, I know there's people who are struggling. I know that so well. No matter where you're at, if if your heart is still beating and you're still sucking air wherever you are, God has a way he can use you. God can use you if you will be available, if you'll be available to him. Now, once you've decided you're going to be available, uh, you have to get your message across. Murdy did it with letters. I want you to use text messaging. Text messaging. Here's what we're going to see. Verse 21, 
It says, they replied, we have had no letters from Judea or reports against you from anyone who has come here. We haven't heard anything bad about you, Paul. But we want to hear what you believe. For the only thing we know about this movement is that it is denounced everywhere. So a time was set, and on that day, a large number of people came to Paul's lodging. They came to him. He explained and testified about what? The kingdom of God, and he tried to persuade them about Jesus from where? From the scriptures. Using the law of Moses, first five books of the Bible, and the books of the prophets, another large chunk of the Old Testament, he spoke to them from morning until evening. So Paul immediately goes to the scriptures. He, he tells people about Jesus, but he uses the scriptures to show uh, how that works. Now, I have always believed that personal evangelism, the best kind of personal evangelism, is rooted in a relationship. That you start with a relationship with that person. You have your story, and you hear their story, and you tell them how God's story has impacted your story. Good evangelism never starts with screaming on a street corner. It always starts in a relationship. I really believe that. Um, But at some point, you have to be able to direct them to the Bible. You have to show them what the Bible says. You have to show where it is in the Bible and what the Bible says about it. What the Bible says about God. What the Bible says about Jesus. What the Bible says about mankind. What the Bible says about salvation and redemption and grace. And you have to be able to show them where it says that in the Bible. Now, I mean, do you really want someone to come to Jesus just simply because you told them you should do this? At some point, you want it based on something bigger than you. You want it based on the truth of Scripture that's been around for thousands of years, right? Um, So that's what you do. But uh, a lot of people struggle with going to the Scriptures to share their faith. Um, and, And what I would tell you is, and what Paul did here, is you have to use the actual text in your message. You have to give people the Bible in order for them to understand that stuff. And many people are so afraid. They're like, Steve, I just don't know. I don't know what verses to use. I don't know how to word it. I don't know how to do it. And so this morning, I want to give you something that I came across a few years ago. And it's a simple way to share your faith. It comes from the navigators. And it's called One Verse Evangelism. One verse evangelism. And so it's best if you have a Bible, you can open your Bible, open your Bibles if you've got it. Go to Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Romans 6, 23. If you've got a Bible on your phone, pull up Romans 6, 23, and you're going to highlight that verse using your little highlighter finger there. And this one verse contains all you need to share with someone the plan of salvation. And so I want to show you how we do that. It's for the wages of sin is death, But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the verse. And you can use that one verse to get this across. And it's so simple. Even a kid can understand it. I need some kids to volunteer with me. I need two kids. Probably, I need them to be a certain age. So I need them to be maybe 10, 11, 12. Anybody? Got somebody like that? Oh, there's one right there. Come on up. All right. And I'm going to need one more in a second. All right. Here we go. You're going to start off with this. Uh, The stage is a little dirty. So do you know how to use that? Yeah. Okay, there you go. Can you just, yeah, just vacuum around here a little bit. There you go. Very good. I need another volunteer. Give me another kid. Come on, get up here. (laughs) All right. You stand right here. Yeah, can you, over in that corner over there. Augusto was right there. He makes a mess sometimes. There you go. It's good work. 
Keep going. All right, you're going to stand right here. Boom. You're going to keep going. There you go. Keep going. Very nice. All right, that's good. What is that? Is that a dent or is that? Oh, okay, you got it. All right, very good. All right, okay, good, good, good job, good job. So, now that we're clean right there, that is a job, right? You ever had a job? Yeah, you ever get paid for a job? Come stand right over here. All right, so in a job, when you complete a job and your boss has said, I need you to do this job and I'm going to pay you to do this job, what you get paid is wages. That's what it's called. So I'm going to pay you for vacuuming the stage. What is minimum wage? Anybody know? $800? What did you say? No. Um, Are you union? Do you know? No, you don't know. Okay. Uh, So I'm going to pay you, I don't know, that was about, I'll pay you $4 for four minutes worth of work. Trust me, if you can get that in the real world, you're doing all right, buddy. Uh, so so that's, that's for your, those are the wages. The wages are what your boss pays you. Let me ask you a question. If your boss said, I want to hire you to do this, I'm going to pay you this much, and he didn't pay you, would you be mad? Yes. Yeah, you'd be mad. I'd be mad too, right? So that's what your wages are. So the wages of sin, do you know what sin is? Yeah. What is sin? When I say sin, what do you think of? Disobeying. Disobeying. Okay, so have you ever sinned? I mean, you're a good kid. I can't imagine you sin. I'm going to stand between you and your parents right now, though. Just a... Have you ever sinned? Have you ever, um, I don't know, let's say, have you ever um, lied about something? Yes. You have. Wow, he said that fast. Uh, have you ever uh, taken something from your siblings, from your brother or sister? Yes. Yes. Have you ever uh, stolen anything? Shh, we can, this can just be between you and me. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I did, too. I have, too. I stole some stuff. When I was a kid... Um, I went into the grocery store with my mom and dad. And while they were shopping, I siphoned off some items. And when I got home, they found out that I had stolen them. And so I had to go back to the store and give to the manager back the things that I stole. It was a terrifying experience. I haven't ever stolen anything since then. You want to know what I stole? Tic Tacs. (laughs) You ever had Tic Tacs? They're delicious, right? Yeah, but I stole some Tic Tacs. So, you want a Tic Tac? Yeah. Yeah, I got some some Tic Tacs right over here. There you go. No, I didn't steal these. I paid for them. You want a Tic Tac? No Tic Tacs for you. They're delicious. Okay. So, I stole those. No, I didn't steal those. But I stole some Tic Tacs. So sin is all the stuff that we do wrong, where we're lying or stealing or cheating or anything that we've done wrong. And the Bible says the wages of sin is oh, wrong pocket. There we go. The wages of sin is death. Hold that. It's all right. So you know what death is? 
Everybody dies. You got, we all have somebody that's died or their grandparent or, or something like that. Eventually, everybody dies. But the death that the wages of sin are is this separation from God. That's death. There's only two things in the world that you can count on. It's death and... Which, by the way, I didn't take any taxes from you earlier, so I'll take that. Thank you. The wages of sin is death. But then in the middle of this verse is a word that says... But, and it's a big but. Don't make it weird. But, and this changes the equation because you've got the wages of sin or death. But, on this side of the equation, the free gift. I have a free gift for you. It doesn't seem fair, does it? You had to work for your wages, didn't you? And he just got it for free. But the free gift, where do you get a gift? From someone, there's a giver who always gives the gift. And the gift giver is God in this scenario. He gave you the gift. And although it's a free gift, no gift is ever truly free, is it? No. you got to get a gift from someone, and they have to pay for it somehow. And so the Bible says this free gift, which this gift is eternal life. Hold that. It's a free gift. It's eternal life. You don't want to lose it, okay? The free gift of eternal life comes through Christ Jesus Himself. So Jesus himself bridges the gap between the wages of sin is death and the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, which when you look at me, what do you see? It's like Jesus who died on the cross, right? And he paid the price for us that we might have that, right? And our response is, is that we would trust in Jesus to get us from here to here. Does that make sense? Yeah? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Why don't you give these guys a hand? And I didn't want you to have to leave without, you know, the free gift of eternal life too. And three bucks. You did all right, buddy. There you go. Thank you. So it's this one verse. And you use this one verse and you walk through those simple ideas in this one verse. And you end up showing people how you can get. Now, the end result of that is this idea of trusting. That you're going to move from one side to the other. I'm going to trust God. In fact, in John chapter 1, verse 12, it says this way. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, But to all who, what? Believed in him, and what else? Accepted him. He gave the right to become children of God. You have to believe and accept by trusting in Jesus Christ And then you can become a believer in Jesus Christ. And the funny thing is, you have to ask people that. Do you want to do that? Do you want to do that? Do you want to trust Jesus? Do you want to become a believer right now? I have asked that question and people have said yes. And people have said no. And people have said, get away from me. They've done that, but you have to extend that invitation. And when they get that invitation... I will point them back to Psalm 51. I shared that a couple of weeks ago. Psalm 51 is basically right out of the scripture is a uh, sinner's prayer that people can read and you're like, oh yeah, that's me. I did all those things and I need salvation and I need forgiveness. And then you read through Psalm 51 and then eventually I will ask that person to pray to God and ask for that and then, and then to just respond to God. And man, those prayers are the greatest because there are people who will just say, you know, whatever comes around, God, I am so messed up. God, I need you so bad. And I just love those raw, real prayers where somebody is saying, I need you, Jesus. 
And then after that, you need to give them a Bible. If they don't have a Bible, you go buy them a Bible. Or come to the church, we'll get you a Bible. I, right away, will show them where to download a Bible. You guys know how to get a Bible on your phone? All you got to do is search Bible in your app store and show them how to download a Bible. And then take them to Romans 6.23. Highlight that verse for them. Show them that that's the very first verse. And then tell them, hey, you need a church. You need a church family. Every Christian needs a, a, a family. And so... You will invite them to church and, and let them know that they can be welcome here. And then and you say, hey, and you need to keep learning about this Jesus guy. And the place that I always point them to is the book of John. The book of John is like the greatest first book for somebody to read because it tells all about Jesus, but it tells about him in such a way that it tells the story and shows you why it's important for all that. So that's it. One verse. Anybody can do it. Even a kid can do it. And so I want to empower you with that, but you have to get to the text. You have to get to the Bible. You have to show them in the Bible where it says these things and get them to turn to God's word for that. So here's the real sort of truth of this is that some will answer and some won't. Some will answer and some won't. Acts 28 verse 24, it says this. Some were what? Persuaded by the things he said, but others, what? They did not believe. This, but people, this is the Apostle Paul. This is Paul. 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 Like the, the guy who probably, arguably, after Jesus, made the greatest impact on faith in the world of anyone. And when Paul got up there and explained it to him, there were some people that were like, nah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I don't need it. I'm fine. No big deal. Um... You know, it's crazy. How many people here have ever been to a Billy Graham crusade or seen a Billy Graham crusade on TV or one of those big evangelistic events? When you are at a Billy Graham crusade and they say, now's your time, and they start playing just as I am, and people start coming down. Anybody ever been there? It's like the stadium starts to empty down to the bottom of the thing. But here's the thing. If you turn around and look, you will see that in every one of those stadiums, there are people that are still sitting up there. They're like, nah, not for me. Not today. It may not be... Ever, but today, I'm, I'm not going to make that decision. Do you know that no one has ever led anyone else to Christ? I have never led anyone to Christ. And I have talked with people and been there when they prayed it. I have preached sermons where I've said, raise your hand, and people have come up afterwards and told me, I have never led anyone to Christ. The only person that leads someone to Christ is the Holy Spirit. It's the only one that can do it. And so I can be a mouthpiece just the way Paul is, but at the end of the day, people are going to decide and, and they may not decide to follow Christ and I can't do anything about that. But I can be faithful to the call to present it. Mother Teresa one time said, uh, we are called to be faithful, not successful. And so that's where we live. And some people will just not answer the call. In fact, Paul's going to wrap up sort of this passage in this book with the call will go to people with better reception. Paul's going to go to people with more reception. And so in verse 25 it says, And after they had argued back and forth amongst themselves, these are the Jews, they left with this final word from Paul. The who? The Holy Spirit was right when he said to your ancestors, through Isaiah, the prophet, this is what Isaiah said, go and say to this people, when you hear what I say, you will what? You're not going to understand. When you see what I do, you will what? You're not going to comprehend, for the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear. 
And they have closed their eyes so that their eyes cannot see. And their eyes cannot hear. And their hearts cannot understand. And they cannot what? They can't turn to me and let me heal them. So I want you to know that this salvation from God has also been offered to who? The Gentiles. And they will, they'll accept it. The Jews refused to believe. So Paul took his message to people that had a better reception. And Paul's message, to, he's been faithful to deliver this message to his Jewish people, but now he's taking his message to the Gentiles. You know, cell phones are all about reception. They're useless without reception, right? And uh, none of all the apps and all the things you can, I could buy something right now from Amazon. I can, I can pull up uh, translation apps. I can, I can do all this stuff. But at the end of the day, without reception, without a connection, I can't do anything. It becomes a paperweight, right? It's all about reception. And the naysayers, or the people right now would say, the place where the reception is getting worse is where? Here. America is becoming the place where people are more and more resistant to the truth of of God's word. They will tell you that Europe is already gone. Europe is just a bunch of hollowed out cathedrals that people tour. But in America, we are going that way. And that breaks my heart. And there's people that would say, we should be focusing our efforts on places where people are more receptive. That's places like Africa, uh, South America, places like China, even right now. And let me tell you something that I've come to learn and know is truth. People are hungry everywhere. People are lost everywhere. And they are desperate to know what this life is about, what the meaning of this life is about. Uh, They are spiritually hungry, and, and people are searching. And the real question is, will we try to reach them? Will we continue to try and reach them, right? Or are we just happy to go to church and go to our little programs and go to lunch after? And so I want to tell you that the entire point of the book of Acts is that we use every resource at our disposal to tell people about Jesus. I heard a, a pastor talking, he was speaking to a, a denomination called the Christian Missionary Alliance. And if you got the word missionary in your title of your denomination, you know they're serious about missions. And he was talking about the, to the Christian Missionary Alliance, he says, do you know guys have any idea the impact you've made on the world? Do you have any idea the places that the gospel has touched because your denomination sacrificed to send people there and to preach the good news about Jesus Christ? All of the time and effort and money and resources that you have put into that has made a difference around the world. Now I'm asking you this question. Are you willing to put that same effort, energy, enthusiasm into reaching the person across? the street are you willing to put that kind of effort into reaching the person across the street which leads me to so what Steve what do we do with this how do we make this make sense well uh, let me read you the last two verses here of the passage it says for the next how long two years Paul lived where in Rome at his own expense and he welcomed all who visited him boldly proclaiming what The kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord who? Jesus Christ. And no one tried to stop him. So here's my question for you. My so what question to you today is this. Who is stopping you? 
Paul is finally at a place. Everywhere he goes, he gets beaten and, and thrown into jail. He's finally at a place in Rome, the place that he's always been trying to get to, and he has two years where nobody's stopping him. Just let him teach. Let him tell people about Jesus. Who's stopping you? Because my argument would be, nobody's stopping you. Do you know who's stopping you? You. You know who's stopping me? Me. It's me. I'm the one who stops me. When I stop short in a conversation, when I stop short, when I see an opportunity to get acquainted with somebody new and to push my boundaries a little bit, and I go, nah, I just like my comfortable people. It's me that stops me when I share my story about what God is doing in my life, but I stop short of getting to the text and telling them what the Bible says. It's me that stops me whenever I stop short of saying, do you want to do that? Do you want to trust Jesus? Because I'm afraid they might say no. It's me that stops me all the time. And the truth of the matter is, is the whole book of Acts, the whole book of Acts is about how God chose to start this message and then spread it like wildfire around the world. It started, uh, in, in Acts 1.8, we see this. Acts 1.8 is the key verse of the entire book of Acts. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when who? The Holy Spirit is the key character in the book of Acts. It's not the apostles. It's not Paul. There's a lot talked about him, but the key character is the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me where? Everywhere, starting in Lodi, Galt, Stockton, Lockford. It's that immediate area where they started at. And then moving on through, throughout where? Judea and where else? And that's just spreading out. It's Valley Springs. It's Manteca. It's Elk Grove. Sacramento. It's Antioch. Pittsburgh and into the Bay Area. Martinez. And then where does it go? To the ends of the earth. And God has called us to spread this message around from where we are at. But it starts with going across the street to your neighbor. And I don't know how else to tell you this except that's the one that we struggle with the most. I think it's the hardest part. I think it's the hardest part for a lot of people. That person that lives right across the street from you. That kid that's in the desk next to yours. That parent that you've seen it at soccer games for years and you've got a little relationship with them but it never goes any further. That is the person that God is calling us to meet. And it starts with the relationship. So as I encourage you to step out outside of your comfort zone, let me tell you something. For some of you, it may just be I'm gonna put myself in an environment where I can get to know some new people. For some of you, maybe I know God right now, even the Holy Spirit right now as I'm sitting here is telling me who this person is that's right across the street from me, that's right across the aisle from me, that's in the office next to mine and I'm supposed to go to them and deepen this relationship. For some of you, that relationship is deep enough and you know it's time to share your story. And for some of you, they know your faith, they know your story, they know what you stand for and it's time to bring them Romans 6.23 and tell them this is the plan, this is what God has for you and I wanna offer it to you. The question is, will we go across the street? Would you pray with me? God, I'm thankful for the book of Acts. I'm thankful for the story of how this whole movement got started. And I'm thankful for the opportunity to continue this story that Paul started, God. And I know there's people here today that are wrestling with how to take their faith to somebody that even right now they're thinking of someone that they desperately love and they want to know Jesus. God, would you open the door for them 
to share their faith? Would you open the door for them to get acquainted with some new people? Would you open the door for them to share that one verse and maybe walk somebody into a place where they've walked alongside and, and, and asked Jesus to become their personal Lord and Savior? God, I just pray that we would get out of our own way and that nothing would stop us from being your, your mouthpiece to a lost and hurting world. In your son Jesus' name, amen.